Hello, and welcome to The Real Folk Reviews. I'm Samuel, and I first saw Ganymede Elegy about 15 years ago. And I'm Georgie, and I first watched this episode, ooh, 10 minutes ago. Okay, three, two, one, let's jam. So, Georgie, have you ever seen one of those dipping bird machine things in real life? Oh, that's a good question. Possibly only ever on screen. Yeah, I feel like they're... I'm not sure they've ever existed in real life, if I'm being completely (laughs) honest. They seem like they were just designed to be symbolic in television programmes. Have I seen one before? I feel like I might have seen one somewhere, but I do love them. Should we we explain what we're talking about for people who had no idea what that... what we just meant? (laughs) Yeah, so the mechanical bird toy thing that dips its head in the water and then fills up with water so it pulls back up and then loses the water so it dips its head again. And yeah, it's, kind it's of... like a Newton's Cradle type yeah. momentum Perpetual toy. motion machine yes. type thing, yeah. They're very satisfying. I'd like to have one. Although it might then end up annoying me after a fairly short period of time <laughs> Will you stop that? Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think I've ever seen one in real life. I think you're right. No, I'm not sure I have either. Well, now I know what to buy you for Christmas. Even though we've just determined it would get really annoying after a short time. Well, then then you give it to me, and then it's just a perpetual exchange of, of, of the gift. It's a different kind of perpetual motion machine. Yes, exactly. So... The first thing we see is a reminder that Ed is here. Uh, yes, and that Ein exists. Mm-hmm. And, and that, yes, that they collect bounties, sometimes successfully. Mm. Yes. Yeah. It More... was a very odd little intro scene. <laughs> I mean, is... I enjoyed it. But yeah, it is weird. Yeah. Um... Yeah, cause it, and it has, as you find out, no bearing whatsoever on the rest of the episode. You don't see Ein again. You don't see Edward again. You don't see the bounty again. Well, you do see. Oh, sorry, you Ed see Edward again. again. That's that's not yeah. true. But but uh, but she has no impact on the story at any point. Not at all. No, it, it's just a very little sketch. Really, it's it's a yeah. comedy sketch. We should probably actually describe what it is. So they sure. have this bounty um, called Baker Pancherero, and he is tied up in the hold somewhere. And Ayn is kind of innocently barking just a little bit. And this awful, terrible man mm. kicks a can at his head. Yeah. And we get a shot from outside of the ship where we just hear Ayn going. Yeah, which is kind of fun, given the amount of people we've seen being killed on screen. Yeah. That, but they've decided a can hitting a dog is well, too upsetting. I think this came up when we were recording Stray Dog Struts, that we have a much stronger empathetic reaction to animal cruelty than we do human cruelty. <laughs> yes, which is kind of worrying. It is, yeah. And then the, the guy who's uh, done the kicking of the can, um, just to really let us know that he's a bad guy, has a bit of a snigger like me. Yeah, yeah, that's right, dog, shut up. Um, and then Ed appears and pretends to be a cat, a dog. Um, and Yes, yeah. he just drops out of the vent onto his head. Yeah. 
head first, which yes. you'd have thought would hurt her at least as much as it hurt him. But yeah, sort of just doing a headstand on top of his head. Yeah, briefly, and then flopping down onto the floor and doing some Ed style rolling, rolling around yeah. <laughs> before. before. Yeah, biting this this man's ear. Yeah, very very aggressively. Yeah. And um, while well, Ayn looks on in a sort of affectionate, oh, thanks. But he he does also look a little bit judgy. I think it's kind well, of yeah. I wasn't <laughs> sure in the first watch. I was like, he just looks a little bit disappointed. Mm. But then the second watch, I was like, oh no, I see gratitude on that face. <laughs> Maybe it's a bit of both. It's yeah. like I'm glad you're standing up for me, but that is not how a civilized creature behaves. <laughs> <laughs> and then. The episode kind of proper starts. Yes. Um, and it is, unlike other episodes, one that really, apart from this first, you know, very brief opening sequence, really goes straight into the narrative. Yes, it does. With Jet looking sad. Yes. At his watch. Um, yes. Well, because we have the flashback first. Yeah. It goes straight into a flashback. And we know now that the colour filter is always our indication that we're moving to a yeah. different time period. I think on this occasion it was... Was it blue again, or was it like a sepia thing? I think it... Yeah, like sepia grey tint. Yeah, with yeah Jet apparently being left by this woman walking away. It's a little bit more abstracted than some of the other flashbacks we've had, because I think yeah. they normally are like filled into the edge of the screen with stuff, whereas this is just Alice's back against an abstract background of her walking away. Yeah. Yeah. But, and yeah, like this makes sense because he didn't see it happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's imagining her walking away in his head, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Which we find out later that he didn't witness her leaving. No. Just jumping back briefly for a second. Last episode. I mentioned that the music didn't really grab me much mm. in a conscious way. Yeah. Whereas in this one, I was so conscious of the music from the beginning, including in that opening sequence where there's this, I described it as a bit of a carry-on sketch music oh, yes. with sort of that whistling and, and like light-hearted bit of percussion and piano that is just like a... <laughs> whilst this weird little tableau played out. Yeah. Cat Blues is the name of that song for okay. those of you who care about that. Sorry, but yeah, jumping back. Yeah. No, no, but it is a very stark tonal shift, isn't it? Because that music just cuts out abruptly as you cut to Jet looking sad. Yeah. And remembering. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. And, and then we jump to the present when he's, he's looking down at this pocket watch that was left behind in the memory. Hmm. In a clearly melancholy fashion, it's now cracked and not moving. And Spike is just behind him being like, dude, are you paying attention? I, I asked you a question. Yeah, Spike and Faye nagging Jet to get on with getting them to Ganymede rather than, you know, doing any of the helping themselves, as <laughs> is their way. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed how Faye glided past in the background oh, as well. Yeah. After Spike's walkthrough, Faye is literally defying gravity. Yeah, as occasionally happens in this. <laughs> yeah, <The laughs> every now and then. Arbitrary gravity of the people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just gliding through. Spike just nags, but Faye kind of picks up that something a bit more emotional is going on, or at least feels the need to needle Jet about it. Yeah, with her follow-up question, noting Jet's discomfort. 
it's yeah. very clear that she's now being like, oh, did someone make you cry? Yeah. Yeah. Which is really mean. Yeah, it's very mean. Jet yells at them for being obnoxious right as he gets a call from Donnelly, his police friend. Yes. And I think this is my... You could pick pretty much anything from this episode for Jet Black Space Dad, but this is probably mine of the, you shut up and keep your noise down. Oh, hey, how are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Very. I found, I mean, well, we'll get, we'll get around to it later, but I found it hard to pick a a Jet Black Space Dad for this one. But yeah, we'll we'll carry on. Yeah, no, there's, there's plenty. I went for a lighthearted one because. Oh, well, see, I have a different feeling on this, so we'll come back to it. Okay. Yeah. All right. But then, yeah, is interrupted by this call from Donnelly, and they both realize, like, oh, it's you. Hi, dude. Haven't seen you in a while. And it was nice seeing Jet's smile on his face again. Oh, yeah. His eyes got a bit wider, and the smile, you know, on his face was... We haven't seen him smile, it feels, for a little while. And I enjoyed the the joke about him going bald. Like, ah, buddy, you look the same, except being a little sparse on the top of the head. (laughs) Yeah. While in the foreground, Faye is asking Spike what is going, oh, he used to be a cop, which she apparently hadn't realised, mm. um, and says, that explains why we never get along, which mm. I thought was interesting. Yeah. You've been struggling to figure out why they don't get on, and I guess being somebody who's obsessed with, who was used to being law and order with somebody as chaotic as Faye, you can see why. Yeah, although... He also has Spike, who is very much a chaotic partner to have, and he has very much chosen to be a partner with Spike. That's true. Maybe Faye's chaos is is less welcome to him. Yeah, maybe he's just used to Spike, or <laughs> one chaotic figure is in is like his limit. And well, and and that is unfortunate because there's more on the ship besides Faye. Yes, <laughs> a number of chaotic I... uh, souls. I feel like Ian is the only one he's temperamentally disposed to get on with. Mm. Then Donnelly mentions about Elisa. A name which he visibly and obviously reacts to and we get the title card just in case we weren't sure that this was important. Yes, underline <laughs> in bold. <laughs> Remember <Circled>. this name. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that he's clearly upset or affected. Yeah, yeah, to hear about her, and he learn learns where she is in the yeah. La Fan bar. Yeah, and you and you get quite a poignant bit of narr- uh, narration going over the top from Donnelly about, you know, yeah, I'm sure she's struggling in a recession, and it's uh, understandable that she'd be struggling and blah blah. Whilst we're getting these shots of the surface of Ganymede, well, going down to the surface mm. to show a slightly yeah poverty stricken dock side. Yes. Yeah. I, I love these shots of the place. There. Mm-hmm. You have the very retro, almost like mid-century sci-fi novel profile of the floating cities mm. all in green with their grand architecture in the middle. But then that all looks slightly run down and then you go out onto the docks and things where everything looks more normal. Like It almost looks like it could be a fishing village in Cornwall yeah, or something. Yeah, it that's... definitely looks recognisable. Hmm. Yeah, compared to many of the landscapes we look at, this one feels like it could be in on Earth. Yeah, now, and you definitely feel we're we're quite far away from the big skyscrapery centers and stuff, and it's more these are people 
I mean, literally on the fringes, there's nowhere to go but the water and yeah, yeah. fishing with nets and l- looking like they're living more marginal existences. Yeah. And throughout the whole episode, you hear the backdrop noise of the water and the birds and things. They pop in and out throughout the episode. It's quite, it keeps you in that sense of place. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't really tweaked that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. We briefly go back over to Spike submitting something at the police station. Yeah, they're turning uh, in the bounty. They've yeah, got, turning yeah. in the bounty, yeah. And I, I did like on the sort of ATM screen that oh, they yeah. punch in on, it said, thank you for your capture. Yes, that's, that's a nice little gag, yeah. I enjoyed uh, that very much. Um, <laughs> we, we then have two kind of put a pin in this lines, Faye. You're totally wrong if you think your old woman still thinks about you, Spike. You're totally wrong yourself if you think every other woman thinks like you. Yeah. How they see the world or maybe how they want to see it. And then Edward just piping in like, yay! (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No statement, no philosophy, just enjoyment. Yeah, something about like, it's tea o'clock. I think she says something like that. Yeah. (laughs) how are you i know she's really not in this episode very much but how are you finding her presence among these characters that she's very different from i think she disrupts all of them trying to be interesting and mysterious yeah (laughs) with just you know no guile whatsoever and just yeah very childish naivety yeah, saying whatever comes into her head. Yeah, yeah. very literally saying whatever yeah. comes into her head. <laughs> Throughout the episode, she has just outbursts of, here's a word! And that's kind of all she does. I'm just saying this because it rhymes. Yeah, you said it, I'm going to repeat it! <laughs> I think she's a very straightforward character. Yeah. Like, I don't think she'll surprise you in the way that she behaves, in the sense that she'll be weird. Um, and that, that won't yeah. be a surprise when she does something weird. Do you like that presence in the mix, or how are you finding it? I don't know yet. It's because it's so different. Mm. It feels like she is from a different series. Yes, in some ways. no, that's definitely true. Yeah, I remember the first time I watched it, I reacted very badly to her. Well, like the first couple of episodes she was in, I was like, "Why is there this?" hyperactive kid in my cool show about cool grown-ups being cool <laughs> which i think i was i was probably about the same age as ed at that point so right <laughs> i i mean at the moment i i don't have a strong opinion either way i liked them last episode i like the way that they are portrayed the characterization and the you know the the visuals of the way they move is really entertaining mm-hmm. to watch but yeah everything else uh, i don't know yet fair enough okay so where are we oh yeah yeah here we are <laughs> we have some light-hearted pornography in the <laughs> middle of the episode yeah <laughs> i'm sure you know how i feel about this bit already <laughs> yeah yeah i think i feel the same way it's yeah, so this is the fan service scene of <laughs> Faye getting out some suntan lotion, rubbing it into herself in a very... Well, to be fair, actually, what she's doing is fairly normal, but the camera is making sure it gets every... Jiggle. Yes. Yes. Thank you, I wasn't comfortable saying that word, and I'm glad you said it for me. 
I noticed that before, but it was just like, you're, I know you're wanting to say sexy, but you don't really want to say sexy. I'll fill it in, but there we go. No one wants to hear that word in my voice. <laughs> <laughs> um. But what I did appreciate was that, yeah, you have this little, yeah, sexual moment with, with Faye, but then it's massively undermined by Edward doing exactly what we've just been talking about sitting there going what are you doing that for well that's weird and then just repeating back in a loud silly voice what Faye has just said to her futile futile yeah (laughs) yes exactly no that that does improve the scene yeah but almost anything would have really Um. (laughs) (laughs) then we go to jet about to go into the bar Yes. Which we now know is run by his old flame, Alyssa. Again, with more of these scenes of Ganymede docks and the rundownness of the streets that he's walking back down as kind of his old home gone to seed. Yeah. But I really liked, there was a tiny moment, but just before he goes through the door into the bar, you see him make a little smile to himself before he goes in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which I only noticed the second time I watched it, just to have that little... He's really hoping that this is going to go well. I get to see the person that I used to love or still love. Yeah. Yeah. He is initially met with a man he doesn't know at the bar who looks a little bit threatening, like he might be about to reach into his pocket and pull out a gun or something. And tersely tells Jet that Elisa isn't here. But then Elisa appears and calms down. Yeah. After Jet has completely failed to calm down the situation. I do, I do find it quite funny that his reaction is like, I am, um, an old friend of Elisa's. <laughs> but he does, I mean, it, yeah, he might not be doing much to actively de-escalate, but he also didn't do anything to escalate. No, he not really. He stood there and was like, I know Elisa. The end. <laughs> yes, but you'd have thought, I, I just enjoy his complete, like, he's obviously doesn't feel threatened enough by this guy to twig, like, how threatening his demeanour is. Or... Yes, yes, he does seem a bit of a, a deer in the headlights. Yeah. Yes. But then it doesn't matter anyway, because Elisa no, pops in and goes, oh, Jet, oh my word, is it really you? It's been such a long time. Don't worry, Rint. It's fine. He's my friend. And then Rint who we now know his name is Rint, yep. slinks off to leave Jet and Elisa alone. In the bar. In yes. the bar. For Jet's final drink. Well, not Jet's not final Jet's drink, final. but the final drink served in the bar. And this was when I started noticing lots and lots of little sound things that have been layered in because Jet presents the pocket watch on the bar in a few seconds' time. And just before that, you can hear the ticking of a different clock. And that's persistent throughout yeah. a lot of these scenes where they're in the bar. And you also have lots of little noises with her pouring the liquid into the glass and the little clink of the ice and the bird uh, perpetual motion machine yes, going, um, dipping in and out right. of the water. And I noticed there was one of those when it hits the water, it makes like a tiny little symbol s- crash. Oh yeah, I know the moment you mean. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was a really interesting choice. Cause yeah, because it, it added drama, but mm-hmm. it was also like drama that didn't quite come to bear in the way you'd expect. You know, to add random little crashing noises to everything, I'd expect there to be more drama 
later than there was. I don't know. It, yeah, I was. It, it intrigued me as a choice. Just having all those tiny sounds turned up so much so you can really hear them kind mm. of gives a sense of the what's not been said, the nerves of the situation. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. And it's it's the, it's a very comparative stillness. Yes. Compared to the little moments when we're being shown where Faye and Ed and Spike are, it's very condensed. Yeah. Atmosphere. Although the camera's very not still, it does those weird couple of shots. It with does the, a lot. Uh, yeah, particularly with the next section when they're in the bar as well. This first one is is briefer. Oh yes, yeah, because there's it's interrupted. Yeah, yeah, by... yeah, yeah. Because we just have Jet imparting the information that he is now a bounty hunter to Elisa, and Elisa going, <gasps> yes. Gasp. No one's very good at hiding their shock at things in, or their <laughs> rolling with the punches in this episode. Well, because initially I did think, is it because she finds that, is that like a troubling career that she's like, oh, I don't know how to feel about you doing that, having been yeah. a respectable police officer, that you're now this kind of rogue bounty hunter. So See, I wasn't sure initially if that might have been the reason why, because we are about to find out why she gasped. But hmm. yeah, but that does make sense as well with Donnelly being like, oh, I never thought you'd become a bounty hunter. And it's like, seems like you basically have the same job you had when you were a cop. Yeah, um. <laughs> it's just with less rules. Yeah. Yeah. And probably more money. Uh, based on the way they live? No, yeah, different <laughs> for, for them as a unit. Hard to say. More, more maximum money, less actually achieved yes it's an all or nothing <laughs> yeah kind of okay. job yeah yes exactly um, yeah so we have this little revelation where where Alyssa finds out that he is now a bounty hunter and then we pop over to see spike who is tinkering before receiving a call from donnelly jet's friend to tell him about the bounty yes yeah who it turns out is rent rent the one who Jet faced off very badly yep. just as he approached the bar. Yeah. I really liked as well, this is just a little tangent point, that the little moment where we've got Spike on the phone with Donnelly learning about this bounty, what's happening physically for him mm. is that he's dropping something and almost falling off the bebop. Yes. Not because he's shocked by the information or anything like that. It's not, it's not driven by plot. It's, it's just that he's a bit clumsy. Yeah. And it was just a nice little interlude which doesn't seem like him he's no. usually very aware of these things but clearly today's not his day <laughs> and yeah donnelly is kind of giving a courtesy call basically to say there is this bounty but it's somebody you kind of have a connection to yeah yeah actively tells spike that it's Alyssa's boyfriend yeah yeah or i think they describe it as Alyssa is his squeeze I think is what they say. No, in the I think he says he's her main squeeze. Which is, and then in the really... in the sub, it said that he's her gigolo. Yes, which is a really weird <laughs> translation. Yeah. When I watched that with Pashon, she looked at me like, "Is he a gigolo?" And I was like, "He's he's not a gigolo." I don't know why they translate it that way. <laughs> um. <laughs> but yes, we we have that moment where Spike learns that there's a bounty worth getting. Um, and we cut just before he finds out how much money it's going to be worth. 
probably prompting us to think that perhaps it's quite a bit of money and mm. worth going after in spite of this awkward personal connection. It's not that much money. It's one of the smaller ones they've gone for, 1.8 million. Well, um, either way, he's happy to take it. Yeah. Spike, the king of dropping everything because something has a connection to his past, <laughs> is like, well, I don't really care about Jet's past. We've got to get this bounty yeah. because it's not about me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it is an interesting choice on his part. <laughs> yeah, and, mm. and we also get a very bored Ed sat mm. with a fishing rod dangling in the water and catches something. And then the thing that she catches instantly removes itself from the end of the fishing wire and falls back into the water. And then Faye... Symbolism. Sim- symbolism. Which yeah. symbolism are we referring to? <laughs> well... Like Jet, she thought she had something securely, and then, as a complete shock to her, it gets away. Oh. Okay, sorry. Very deep and interesting. Well done. And <laughs> I mean, then... it, it's not a show that's subtle with its symbol. I love Cowboy no, Bebop, but subtlety is not one of its virtues. No. Like, the bar where they meet is literally called The End. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Spike gets in the ship to fly off, and the ensuing gust of air bothers Faye while she's there trying to sunbathe. Her hair goes all in her face while she's just lying there and just has a little sigh to herself that her sunbathing has been interrupted again by a small irritation. Hmm. And then we move back to being in the bar to a very, very poignant, quiet scene. Maybe this is really just the story of Faye's sunbathing and all the shit that interrupted it. Yeah, that seems that way to me. <laughs> oh, oh man, I just thought <laughs> seems that way. Seems that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, aren't you so proud of me? Look at me doing callbacks to previous episodes. Um, I am really proud of you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Spike, unknown to Jet, is about to go in search of. Elisa's boyfriend but in the meantime we are back in this very quiet conversation between the two of them Hmm. in the bar where we we again get all of those very noticeable little noises which is you know backed up by the quiet between them when they're sharing quite poignant discussions with her things with each other yeah 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 and you mentioned as well that they do a lot of camera shots through this that are very well framed in lots of different ways Mm. i really enjoyed the the variety of that that didn't undercut the because sometimes if you have a series of lots of camera shots it just creates frenetic you know action no whereas this it just highlighted the stillness of everything yeah and kind of almost the awkwardness of those very quick shots that it does where it cuts to show like Jet's face from a different angle for a second or something like that. Mm. It's uh it's almost like they're struggling to look at one another as yeah. they have this conversation. And yeah. indeed they are by the end of it. They just sit Alice with her back to Jet completely and Jet kind of offered a right angle. Mm. Yeah, and there was one of the shots as well where we could see Alyssa in the foreground, but only up until sort of her nose. So you could just see her mouth moving when because she was talking right in the top corner of the screen mm. and then in the background you can see jet looking in a different direction behind her and that yeah i thought that was really nicely chosen as well 
Hmm. Yeah, it's all the stillness. And I really liked there was a shot of his glass on the bar again that we saw before when it was being filled, but he puts it back down empty. And the ice, um, there's just a couple of seconds where we look at the glass and the ice melts and clinks down. Hmm. And that was really nice as well. Yeah, it's a, a lovely little detail. Makes the makes the moment feel more real. Yeah, because one of the things that Jet is saying when they're explaining to each other what happened in that moment when Jet learnt that his girlfriend, partner, had left him and saying that initially I wasn't even sad, it just didn't feel like it was real. And then he says, eventually something went numb inside me. Ah, oh, right. And, you know, the I think the ice represents that. The ice numbness. starting to melt and fall apart. Yeah. 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 There we go. And then of course we've got the dipping bird, which Yeah. As a perpetual motion machine has always the appearance of moving but is always staying in one place and coming back to the same thing. Yeah, and the the language that we have that backs up the the time you know, the the yeah. the topic of time. Oh, yeah. Even in the song, actually, The Singing Sea, which plays earlier when Jet is going into the bar, the lyrics of the song are basically just a set of contradictions or nonsense ideas like the singing sea, the talking trees. And one of them at the end of the first verse is the world spins backwards every day. Which Ah, uh, okay. Because they're talking about how it seemed like time stopped and I just waited yeah. for the clock to stop and that was when I decided you were never coming back. And she says, you think that time here just stopped, do you? And yeah. yeah, all of that stuff is very, it's all happening through all of the imagery and the sensory aspect. Yeah, different experiences of time. And yeah, also, I guess the fact even that she's with somebody else, mm. you know, and is taking an active decision, a sad decision to end her business but she's showing her life has moved on and even now is still moving whereas mm -hmm. his you know it doesn't really seem like he's been any sort of relationship since this and this seems to have been seven or eight years ago i think yeah, Donnelly and, says. And, and then there's that contradiction in the sense that her life might have carried on but she hasn't moved i whereas guess yeah. he has been traveling around you know the galaxy however i don't know how far He's, he's traveling between planets um yeah but yeah maybe in in many other ways he's standing still he hasn't moved on emotionally yeah and i guess also when you go away from the place that's your home it stands still in your mind in that way even though everybody there is living lives yeah you know that so your home is progressing but in your mind it's still the same as it was when you were young and until you go back and it's not anymore yeah can you tell we did literature at university? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I've said that I tend to respond better to the Japanese in the serious episodes and the English in the comic episodes. Oh, okay. The jokes I don't better. think I don't remember you saying that, but I think Karen. maybe I did. Maybe I just said it in my head. But um, <laughs> very good for a podcast. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, th uh, this is something of an exception to that. I think it works well in the Japanese too, but Bo Billingsley's performance here is Jet, like when he says, I just want to know why. It's heartbreaking, all the pain he puts into that mm. that line. It's really good. And then her response where, yeah, you, you said she talks about things have moved on here, and mm. she says, I don't remember, which 
I mean, it's quite a generous lie, really, isn't it? Mm. It allows Jet to not examine any of his own behaviours because it's like, I mean, he said that thing back in Sympathy for the Devil where he says, oh, women easily betray others. And by saying, I don't remember, she's kind of giving him a version of events that allows him to believe that. Mm. It's kind of a, a cleverly constructed way out of the situation where she can not tell him what she obviously doesn't want to tell him and give him something he's likely to believe. Mm, yeah. But we get a bit more of that at the end. which we'll Oh, yeah, to. definitely. Yes. And, and then we've got kind of a reprise of that ticking sort of rhythmic thing happening in the background with oh. Rint and the lighter that just won't light. And he's just flicking it and flicking yeah. it and flicking it. And then being eventually cut in with the flashback he's experiencing whilst trying to focus on getting his cigarette lit. Yeah, this is one of the things I really like about the episode, that this very minor character who's not really the centre of things at all, but is given his own inner life in this moment. Yeah. That you, you really see the effect that what he had to do is having on him. Yeah. Which is quite unusual in Cowboy Bebop. You don't, people get killed all the time, and the people who've killed them, it never really seems to affect them. Yeah, he is exhibiting the kind of classic PTSD yeah. symptoms that you would expect. Yeah, the flashbacks and the physical vulnerability that you see him display. And it yeah. kind of reminds you what this universe must be like to live in for a normal person, to somebody who's not inured to violence in the way that our main characters are. Yeah, yeah, it's actually, I suppose it is a reminder that the characters we're looking at are unusual, not the norm. Mm. You have Jet leaving the bar and witnessing Rint sat on the sidewalk trying to get his lighter to mm. work. And there's just a very, very small look towards each other, not even in the eyes, and then go their separate ways. And then Rint goes inside and we see his, yeah, we see quite how broken he is, basically. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he doesn't even get up onto the bar stool. Does, or does no. he get on and fall off? I, can't I think remember. he's just immediately sat on the floor, is yeah. my recollection. It's a very touching moment f mm. when Alyssa sits there, you know, and, and they hug. And, and the way it's drawn that he flings his arms around her is very clearly a vulnerable presence. Yeah. Very reminiscent as well of later, the way Elisa describes her relationship with Jet. Now we see ah, she's making yeah. the decisions now in this situation. I mean, I think more because Rint is incapable of making any decisions at the moment than <laughs> because she's like domineering. But well, because well, I actually I was thinking about their relationship, you know, Rint and Elisa, mm. and there is mutual vulnerability between the two of them as well. And like it goes from them being sat on the floor. And Alyssa expressing regret that the reason that you ended up having to kill that loan shark is because I took money from him. Yeah. And then saying, we need to go. The next shot, they're in a boat, but Rint is driving. Yes. And yeah. that, to me, was representative of a bit more of a balance in terms of the power there. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to... Um... Spike is being a bit of a douche in this episode. It's kind of a running theme. And I just wanted to call attention to him parking his ship in the middle of a busy road just so he can get out and talk to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's asking around for information. With the car, car horns blaring in the background and he's just calmly talking to this guy. 
<laughs> yes, onto the boat chase. So once he's back in the sky, he he sees just basically happens to see Rint and Alice are in their mm. boat and yeah. starts chasing. Yeah, him and very quickly he seems to have entirely forgotten about the personal relationship that Jet has with the woman that is probably in the boat. Oh yeah, and you know we assume he probably knows that that's probably her. And he's like, ha, huh, well, that's handy. I'll go after them then. And start firing my guns at them. Yes. I mean, to be fair, he carefully doesn't hit them. But still. It's yeah. Still fairly reckless. Yes. <laughs> but then Jet appears in his own ship, yes. flying alongside. They almost collide into each other. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a nice little... Because this is such a slow-paced, you know, emotions first episode i think it's quite nice to have that little action moment of jeopardy where it looks like something could go wrong yeah and then spike and jet have a quick chat and spike relays to jet that he's chasing some bounty and here this is what he looks like so that jet can go oh okay (laughs) yeah and yeah persuades spike to let him deal with it which actually was then Spike remembers how to be a friend. Does Jet. he? Really? I think so. In what way? Well, because Jet kind of says, I want to deal with this. And Spike's like, all right, I get it. And then flies off. He says that eventually. But at first he's like, you're not going to let him go, are you? Which, where do you get off, Spike? <laughs> Two episodes ago, you spent the entire episode befriending one of your bounties. The episode before that, you just handed back a vast stack of money to VT for no reason. And now suddenly when Jet might have sentimental reasons to let some money get away. No, that's not allowed. On we go to, I assume you noticed the music in this scene. Yes, very much so. (laughs) There was a moment when Jet realises who Alyssa's boyfriend is, this bounty Mm. who's killed someone. And the music's already sort of starting. I mean, it's there, you know, pretty much throughout everything. But we get a shot that goes back and forth between Alyssa on the boat, Mm. looking very determined and resigned, and then back up to Jet, who goes from a bit of shock, you know, realising the scenario that the woman he loved has ended up in and realising what he has to do. Um, and that grim was, resolve on his face. Yeah, which maintains throughout, as and the same with Alyssa, really, that they're both in their separate locations just knowing they're going to have to do something that they don't want to do. And mm. then we go into that music that follows them doing this chase. I find Jet's line quite interesting. I'm the black dog, and when I bite, I don't let go. I have no regrets about her, but I'll settle this score on my own turf. I find it interesting how many times he says I and my in that sentence. Right. Like, he views himself as having ownership of this situation, I guess because this was his homeland, and, well, we've discussed before, he is a bit sexist, and, you know, as we're about to discover, he seems to have viewed himself as the only one with a stake in making decisions in their relationship, or even if not consciously. That's mm. what he's doing again here. He mm-hmm. views it as his decision what happens next. Mm. I, I agree with you that we've seen that side of, of Jet, but this moment, I think it's more about the relationship he has with Spike, where he's making sure that they both know where they stand right now. Mm. Like, this is mine to deal with because of X, Y, and Z. So 
please go away. Yeah, you could be right there as well. But even if that's the case, I don't think it completely... Absolves him. Yeah, because it's still... Oh, yeah, I do agree. It's a sort of a bit of a narcissistic conversation. Yeah, he did did leave this world behind and she's decided that she doesn't want him in her life anymore and he's decided that, no, that's not going to be the case. Um, Is that what's happening, do you think? I suppose, oh, I suppose he's he's deciding to make the choices for her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fair enough. We'll probably get onto this in more detail when we get to the final confrontation, but yeah. Yes, we have the chase going through these very narrow, I don't know what it is, a canal Yeah, thing, thing. between the buildings. Yeah, when Jet is trying not to crash his ship into the sides of these very steep high walls that are just above the boat with Alyssa and Rint. Yeah, and the music that's playing throughout it is completely at odds with what you'd expect of the action. For a chase scene, yeah. Yeah. I th- it's a brilliant choice because it's sh- it shows that they know that the emotions of the scene are what's important here rather than the, yeah. the It was f- very action. effective. Yeah, it's really good. It's really, really effective. Yeah. Um, and, and, actually, and the song that was playing, it sounded a lot like, I don't know the name of the song, but it's one that it's, oh man, I can only do it by singing it. Or humming bits of it because I don't really know the words. <laughs> but it's um, and when it starts, my eyes are coming. Oh, I know what it is. Rose. It's Seal. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, Kiss from a Rose. It sounds like that. It does sound a bit like in parts, although it it's played like a lot. It's a lot quicker and a lot less drippy than <laughs> Kiss from a Rose. Yeah. Sorry, it, I like Kiss from a Rose, but, but it's but a very. It, is, it just it has the melody is very similar in places. Yes, yeah, bit, yeah, bits of the melody, yeah, they are. Um, and when it snows, my eyes are coming. No, I don't know the words. But I think the way you can tell there's a substantial difference is if Kiss from Rose had played during this chase, we would have been falling about laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Kiss from Rose on the plane. Ooh, I've been yeah. I, I can only ever think now when I hear that song of Jeff and the Dean in Community when they oh they do they dance karaoke. to that one? Yeah, it's what, what when the Dean is blackmailing him and forces him to sing karaoke with him. That's what they <laughs> sing together. That's the second time we've referenced Community. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the uh, song that we have is very, very well chosen. Yeah. And it 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 occurred to me that if you'd come in to watch that scene having had no context, you'd be like, this is weird. Mm. (laughs) Why has this been done? But when you've got all the context, it works beautifully. And the scenery here is like gorgeous as well. You've got the sunset over the kind of hodgepodge, still a bit crumbling city. It just, yeah, it looks and sounds amazing. It's certainly one of the main things I think of when I think of what's the show doing when it's firing at its best. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just to conclude the chase, Jet fires a harpoon yep. to try and grab a hold of the boat and reel it in. Rint is mm. pushing the accelerator as hard as he can. And then we have a very short moment where we see the boat flicks a bit and causes the gun that Rint was holding to jump into Elise's lap. Mm. And she looks down at it. And we've got another one of those moments that goes back and forth between her face and Jet's face, mm. where they're both, they've still got that look of determination, but also really, really steep yeah. sadness at the same time. And she 
is about to stand up and we presume fire the gun yeah when the boat breaks apart so that she doesn't have to do it what's quite then yeah. yeah quite yet and then everyone makes their way to the dock side yeah the ruined boat drifts over to the edge and jet maneuvers the hammerhead and jumps out of it and the way he runs over to the the wreck of their boat my first thought is that he wants to check that she's okay yeah i yeah. think so too because yeah a bit he... more urgency than yeah, he initially runs, and then when he sees that they're just kind of sitting there, he starts walking slowly instead. Mm. And this is when Elisa finally does pick up the gun and point it directly at him, not even just at his ship. And... Yeah, and this bit was really sad. Mm. You've got a POV of her holding the gun with it shaking and Jet just slowly walking over and her really, really clearly not wanting to have to do what she's about to do. And then accidentally the gun goes off. Oh, at least the first yeah, time. Yeah, the first time, yeah. Yeah. And Jet, yeah, Jet's response to the gun going off is odd. He just kind of stops for a moment and then... Yeah, he doesn't respond at all with fear. I think he probably... Either he just still doesn't see her as a threat or he just knows she's not going to kill him. Mm. I think... Because I don't think it's that she's trying to hit him and missing i think it's that she's trying to scare him off and he's just not gonna yeah, yeah the first one is clearly a mistake that mm. i would expect to be like okay she could actually hit me even if she doesn't want to but then the following shots are clearly around his feet yeah it he looks really quite scary in this yeah. scene Jack. yeah it's very intimidating yeah yeah and we, and we briefly talked about it in the previous episode about uh, that he actually looked very unintimidating in the last episode mm. he spends the whole episode being a bit hunched over and grumpy whereas in this one he's very sad yeah but very resolved mm. yeah that's a good word for it yeah. yeah and and that presence that he holds as he walking towards her yeah is intense yeah it's on on full display here i don't we've Obviously, he's been more intense in the past, but I, we've never really seen him like this as this threatening a figure. And Alyssa breaking down, really, and telling Jet exactly why she walked away from him in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Very heartbreaking and really real. Mm, it's very real, this episode. Yeah. Expressing that when they were together, he made all the choices and she says... I just had to stand by you and hold your hand like a child. I had no worries. And then saying she chose to leave so that she could make decisions of her own life, even if it meant making mistakes. And it's it's really gets you. Yeah, it's very powerful. And you were always right as well, she says. Like, this is almost the most galling thing. But mm. even though her decisions now have led her to this point and she was, in a way, safer with him, that doesn't appear to be relevant at all to mm. her understanding of what was right. And I mean, I agree with her. I don't think it should. Mm. Yeah, I agree. If you don't have any freedom in a relationship, it's well, it's not really a relationship, is it? Yeah, it really, hearing the, the way she talks about it, it does feel like a narcissistic relationship that she was stuck in with him. And you do also see the shock in his face yeah. hearing these revelations. He never realised this is what yeah. the effect that he had. Yeah. It's very sad because, you know, he's, he's, he clearly never really at any point had any intent to hurt her. And yet he hurt her so badly. Mm. It's very real. Yeah. And we see that 
Alyssa, as we knew she would, couldn't shoot Jet. Yeah. And drops the gun down. And then Rint, unfortunately, doesn't do his best work here. No. This was his moment to be a bit honourable. And he didn't really do a good job. He just starts crying and mm, kind of begging, pleading. And, yeah. Which is a bit of a shame for Alyssa, I think, more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, I I struggle to hold that against him too much because he is so traumatised. Like, That's true. He has had to kill somebody for her the previous day. That's not going to be a time where you're at your strongest. No, that is true. <laughs> I take it back. Uh. <laughs> He deserves uh, more empathy. I'm sorry, Rimt. I think it's partly because the show generally deals with people who are used to violence. Mm. Having somebody like that who's not, who reacts to it probably as you or I would, it makes them look more pathetic than they really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, having heard all that, it clearly impacts Jet. But then he mm. does initially, at least, kind of act pretty much in the same way in that he's like... You have to protect her because you are the man. I mean, he doesn't say that, but that, that's, he does say you have to protect her. And yeah, it's kind of like... Mm, be strong. Yeah. Yeah. And still doesn't let them go, does insist on handing them over to the police. Yeah. And, and we have, I would say it was a rather surprising end mm. as well. When we have, yeah, the lots of police cars are suddenly there. We flash forward yeah. slightly to all the cars being there and Rint being taken away. And Jet and Alyssa have a short conversation in which Alyssa says that she's probably not going to go anywhere. Actually, she's going to stay in her bar and wait for Rint to return. And she looks quite happy about that choice that, yeah, she'll just wait for him to come back. Which isn't like that bad, you know, especially as we've kind of established that he actually could be a very decent person and he just ended up in an awful scenario. But then Jet is odd directly after that because i i guess i was hoping that there'd be more self-awareness that would follow on from that that would lead to maybe i thought he'd continue being sad basically oh i thought there was quite a lot of self-awareness in this final act okay well you, you talk to me about it so he says so what are you going to do now whereas it seems like up till this point in his life he's always just been telling her what to do yeah so he's it seems like and, you know, even when he's coming for her and she's like, I want to get away, he's like, somebody else will come for you if I don't. Which is true, but that doesn't make it his decision to make. Whereas here he's he's saying, what are you going to do now? He listens to her answer and then he walks away mm. and saying time is flowing along, which to me that seems like, I mean, I don't think he's 100% He's cured. Yeah. No, I don't think it's like that. But that, to me, seems like him kind of understanding, okay, fair enough. She's decided she doesn't want me in her life anymore. She wants to make her own decisions. Right. I will walk away then. Mm. I, the thing that confused me is that he walks along the dock a little bit and he smiles and throws away the pocket watch. Yeah. And... You know, Titanic style. And it was that, the way he smiled that was confusing to me because I feel like it's still coming from a place of, I'm proud of her, well done her, in a patronising way. That's probably true, but it's, 
Yeah, it's as still opposed... better from than mm. thinking of her as just somebody who needs to be told what to do all the time. Yeah, I guess it's it's a step forward, but I need more. I need more from Jet. But also, he's better. kind of he's smiling at the watch as well before he throws it away. And the watch isn't really about their relationship. The watch is his failure to move on from the relationship. His mm. choosing to be frozen in that moment. So I read that a lot more as him deciding okay, this chapter in my life is closed, I have learned from it and I will move on. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. That is uh, an alternative perspective on it. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I wanted him to, I wanted there to be more obvious signs of contrition, I guess. Mm. Yeah, he, I guess he doesn't, he doesn't apologise or anything. No. Um, but hey, we'll take yeah. a baby step. Yeah. I mean, he should apologise. I don't think he's a very apologetic person. This is, <laughs> and I, I it's don't think, man. <laughs> I don't think I'd quite buy it if he was cured of everything straight away. He's very the... internal. Yeah, we'll, we'll there'll be other jet-focused episodes. Okay, maybe it's a point for discussion as we go on through the series. How much he learns as he goes on to the series, mm. and how much he he doesn't. But yeah, mm. this episode, you feel like he's got. And I, I think I agree with you on this, that he's still got a fair old ways to go. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's also the first time we've been really shown his flaws. Mm. Because, yes, we see the moments when he's a bit bit rude about Faye and, you know, things about women, but it, it's not focused and it's just a bit throwaway, whereas this was very clear. We're going to mention the fact that you have control issues. <laughs> yeah, we, you can't infer this from everything else he's no. done. It, it, but it does also fit with what we know about him. Yes, yeah. I think that's true. And also helps us to understand why some of his issues with women, if yeah. his understanding for the last seven years is, I was abandoned for no reason when I did everything right. Mm. Which I think he does now understand isn't true. Yes. I guess... Have we got to the point where you want to talk about your jet black space dad? Well, see, here's the thing about my jet black space dad moment. I couldn't find one. Mm. Because I know you were saying that he's kind of jet black space dad throughout. But for me, he is not being dad at all in this episode. Like, in the same way that we've seen him be dad for anyone else anyway. Because here, he is a lovesick man. I see what you mean. Yeah, he's more... He's more vulnerable than... Yeah, um, yeah. And, and so all the moments that you might... Like, if I was to look at it with this perspective of this man with sort of control issues and the way he has approached a relationship in the past, you could say that there are jet black space dad issues because he treated her like his... You know, like a child. That would be my entire read on the whole episode, yeah, was this episode is why you don't be jet black space dad in a relationship. <laughs> um, but Yeah, but I guess what I saw was an immature man mm. doing his best to be in a, a good relationship. And that has ended up in a stereotypical male-female dynamic in which he acts more like a father. But, I mean, doesn't that kind of... When we're saying he acts like a father, he acts like a father to the people on the Bebop too. They don't seem to mind it as much. Yeah. But it's also... In the most literal sense, they're not his kids. No. They're not even young enough to be his kids. 
because he's only 36 which oh really yeah he, he had has had some stuff happen to him he's a bit weathered he is very weathered <laughs> um it's it's almost like this kind of relationship is the only one he's ever known how to have you know some people are kind of very authoritarian and yeah um, and and i do i see all of that and i see how you could very easily extrapolate the psychological problem there mm. of you've just always treated everyone that way regardless of whether they were a romantic relationship or not and if anything it's just increased when you're in a romantic relationship but then i'm just i guess this is probably from my more personal experience of men in relationships that i'm seeing his behavior and going yes you might be acting like a dad but actually it's all because you're immature about your own emotions Oh yeah, I agree with. I don't think we yeah. actually disagree on. No, anything. I don't think we do either. <laughs> but but it's just an interesting debate. But yeah, I mean, if I was to try and boil down one moment that was Jet Black Space Dad, I guess it would have to be right at the beginning when he's telling them, "You're being obnoxious. Stop it." Yeah. Then it would have to be that. Yeah, because that's the more stereotypical representation that we've seen from him as Jet Black Space Dad. That's the way we've seen it in this yeah. show. Yeah, in so the previous the, episodes. The kind of more lighthearted way. And yeah, the other one is like, oh, our just for fun category has become really, really serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just slightly abusive, narcissistic boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. We were going to just mention, and we forgot at the top of the episode, that it's very clear to me that I'm enjoying sitting down to watch the episodes a lot more. Mm. As now we've got to this point, because as soon as Tank starts playing, I'm doing and you can't see me because we're on a podcast, but I'm like dancing a little bit from side to side. <laughs> she is, I can confirm this. Yes, thank you, Sam. Yeah, that there is a bit more, there's more anticipation I have going into it that I'm going to be enjoying it. And actually, just for an extra little anecdote, I watched this episode on the sofa with my housemate, who isn't familiar with the show and saw the opening sequence and was like, it's like James Bond mixed with Scooby-Doo. Yes! Yes, it is! It is just like that, which is basically also the entire review of Stray Dog Strut. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. That, that's exactly it. <laughs> uh, I just want to put up with it. We've talked a fair bit about the music in this show, but mm -hmm. something that I think speaks to the down-to-earth realistic nature of the show is that apart from cat blues at the beginning in the kind of jokey scene all the the music is it's generally got quite minimal instrumentation it's you know a singer and a couple of instruments or yeah. a few instruments together mm -hmm. and it it just makes the whole thing seem so much more intimate than some of the kind of big dramatic music it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from the music in ballad but in its way kind of just as good right so ranking yes Okay, this is a hard one because I really, there is lots about it that I really enjoyed, mm. which I think is obvious from, you know, us yeah. talking about it. But I was frustrated that everything was so quick that I couldn't get more from it. Like, it was so rich in concept mm. and the symbolism that we have in, you know, all the different ways that we've mentioned. And that, and yet it's still only I don't I don't know how long is this episode? It's like they're all about seventeen minutes long, less. I think they're a little bit longer than that. They're it like, felt so short. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe without the intro and outro, yeah, they probably are about that. Well, let yeah, me. I'm, 17, I'm gonna 18. I'm gonna check how long how long it's 
is, according to Netflix. It is 24 minutes long. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But if you take out the uh, opening music, which is 90 seconds, and the ending music, which is 90 seconds, <sighs> and the preview, that takes you down to 20 minutes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was frustrated by that both times. Is and... that really something that's fair to hold against the episode, though? Well, because... I mean, I agree. It feels like it's not big enough, and yet it's bothering me, Sam. But. I mean, this show was made to be broadcast on television. It's not like shows are now where you can just adjust the length yeah. to each episode. But I think it's also because now I, I'm also aware of the fact that every episode, more or less, stands alone. Yeah. And we never get more. Ah. And okay. that's adding to my frustration. <laughs> so I will say we're never going to see Alice or Orint again. That's, that's done. Mm. Like, you know, they're out of Jet's life as clearly that's what Alice wants. But... I would say, in terms of Jet's progression as a person, we do get quite a lot more of that in the series. Okay. Well, that helps. Yeah, because I feel like, I don't know why that's that's sort of sticking in my head as like, well, it would be up there, but it wasn't long enough. Isn't that kind of the ideal thing to say about something? I wanted more. (laughs) Yes, I suppose. I don't know what it is that's jarring me. Okay, so, ranking. Ah... So yeah. at the moment, in first position, I have Waltz for Venus. Yeah. And then in second, Ballad of Fallen Angels. And then third, Stray Dog Strut. So it's definitely better than Stray Dog Strut. I think I'm going to put it after Ballad. So okay. into third position. Mm-hmm. So s- very strong, but not, not kind of knocking the top tier off. But... Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah. Uh... But that, I, yeah, as I, I think I referenced briefly in the previous podcast that some of these i might have shifted around now that i've got more of the context but we are you know we have this ranking is as it is so i must stick with what is there so yeah that's where it's going to go no i mean it's never going to be perfect if we started from the beginning and went again we'd probably come up with a completely different list yeah um, with a different ranking system yeah entertainment value music substance just rank them and then then come up with some statistics but yep. we're not doing that. And nerd out There's forever. already enough admin required in this this process. For that you especially. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's already enough admin for you to be aware that I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, Sam, this whole formula of doing this podcast is very easy for me because I literally have to go in knowing nothing. Whereas yeah. you come in as the knowledgeable one who's done the research to back up everything. I just like rock up like, yeah, just watched it. Should we have a chat? Yeah, if you do any real work, it actively makes things worse. <laughs> <laughs> if only that were the case in just life in general. <laughs> It'd be better if you just did nothing. Okay, fine. Um, so for me, this is kind of the show firing on all cylinders. It's so densely packed and believable and realistic but it also has all the showy stuff of like a beautiful chase sequence and location and wonderful music a great script paired with great visuals and great sound and i'd say this one for me personally has made me examine my actions in relationships more thoroughly like oh wow yeah big impact yeah, it's definitely helped me to understand that sometimes being in a relationship is respecting what the other person wants to do and what they think, even if you think they're wrong. Mm. So it's, yeah, 
for that reason and just for all the other reasons I listed, I think it's an all-time classic. That said, it does have the Faye fan service scene. And to me, this episode is kind of like if somebody crafted this beautiful, elegant vase, like, you know, the most elegant design, perfect painting you'd ever seen, put it on a table, rolled up a pornography magazine and stuck it in the middle of it. (laughs) And then... And then you're just like told, right, you have to rate that whole thing. I think that's maybe what's jarring me as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's little nuggets in there that are throwing off what is otherwise spectacular. Yeah. So I am going to put it first still because it is terrific. But when we get to other challenges, that face scene is going to weigh against it when it tries to maintain its position. (laughs) So I have just watched the preview preview for Toys in the Attic, and once again, a curveball. I have not got a whole lot of understanding of what I've just watched in the last 30 seconds. So it looks like, I mean, for some reason, my initial guess is that it's like a medical infection that's spreading, but I don't know why I think that. But I suppose it's because we, so in the preview, visually, I see Jet lying unconscious. I see Ayn lying unconscious, wrapped in some bandages, and then I see Faye lying unconscious, and oh, and then I see Edward collapsed on the floor, and yeah, I, I guess I'm just looking at all of these people and going, what could have hit all of them mm-hmm. into a state where they're lying unconscious, and I just think illness before I think injury, mm-hmm. whether or not that, I mean, because I've also seen bandages and stuff. And then we see Spike arming himself extensively. So then that would be probably that he's going after a physical threat. And the the narration that goes over the top of it is it just makes me laugh, which I don't know if it's supposed to. I mean, their the screams are also quite comical <laughs> yeah, as each one's going yeah. down. Yeah, you've got the, the narration is saying things like, next time a terrible thing takes them down into the trenches. Or I think it says the word trenches at some point. And trenches then, of terror. Trenches yeah. of terror. And then you hear one, ah! <laughs> It will shake them like nothing else has done before. Ah! <laughs> and it's just like that. It's just, is it supposed to be funny? I think so. Like, I mean, if you've seen, like, it's definitely a, a good send up of, like, horror trailers, particularly cheap, schlocky horror movies. You'd get that kind of trailer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as usual, I really don't know what that means about what I'm going to see. Yep. <laughs> That is the way it goes. Yeah, Uh, pretty much. But one thing we do know is that once the channel is set, you will no longer be able to escape. Apparently so. Have you got anything left to say, Georgie? Uh, no. Okay. So there is nothing left to say except see you space couples who were never right for each other. Oh, that's one of your worst. They all have to begin with C. I know, I I know that's the formula, but oh dear. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at realfolkreviews at gmail.com, look up our Facebook page, or find us on Reddit at u slash therealfolkreviews. Thanks for listening.